I want to speak to you on the topic of battling and building. In other words, preparing for battle. Preparing for battle. And there's a, in, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, there's the story that talks about Nehemiah, Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. And I believe that we found this chapter 4, verse 11 to 23. And I'm not going to read it right now, but I'm going to reference to it as I'm going along in my sermon. But building is a battle. Not everyone is excited that you are building your life in Christ. Not everyone is excited that, that his church is growing and maturing. Not everybody is happy when things are building and, and, and going forward. See, we each are trying to build something for our lives, for our families. We are each trying to, um, to improve our homes. We're trying to build a church and build the kingdom of God. We all are building something. We're constantly building, and we want to improve. We want to make it better. So we all are building something. And top of all these challenges, we each have personal struggles. We are dealing with an, an constant attack of the enemy in our lives. Satan, who, who wants to destroy our lives and destroy our life work, you know, on top of all this stuff, the struggles of life, to try to make it through life and, and building and, 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 and facing. Then on top of all, all of that, now, then you have the enemy, Satan himself, on top of that, also attacking and, and, and trying to destroy what you're trying to build. That is why I like the short passage in Nehemiah about battling and building. They had a two in one hand and a sword on the other hand. Come on, somebody. And sometimes in life, that's what it's all about. We're constantly battling something. We're constantly fighting something while we're trying to build our life. We're trying to build our, our families. We're trying to work in our marriages and make them stronger, make them better. We're constantly building something, working towards something. But the enemy, it seems to always wants to take the upper hand and is attacking our homes, attacking our finances, attacking our, 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 our health and, and, and our families and our children because that's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy everything that, that you're trying to accomplish and go and do for the kingdom of God. And, and that's his number one priority. You see, here in Nehemiah, in this story, chapter 4, they didn't have the luxury of a security force to back them up so, so they could focus on their work. They had to multitask and keep one eye on the work and the other eye on the enemy. Have you ever been there when you have an argument with your wife and you go to bed at night? You got one eye closed, another eye open? Just in case. I've never had that problem. I keep both eyes open. We need to remember that there, there are two words. One is seen and the other is unseen. Yes, we see what, what just life, life in a physical world, but, but the spiritual world is just as real. 
It is more powerful and eternal. You know, there are the physical appearance that, that we encounter, that we deal with, that, that we face day in and day out. Listen, we all are battling something. We all are struggling with something. We all will encounter something in life. But, but determines them that we understand that that's a physical thing. But then there's the spiritual world, the unseen, that we must understand that there's a spiritual warfare that is after you and after your home. And it wants to take you down and it wants to discourage you. And I challenge you to live in the light of eternity. To remember your creator, making sure that he is your savior and allow him to, to be your helper as you go about your work in your life. That you trust this, the Lord, that you trust God into your situation. That you trust the Lord to help you when you are dealing with the crisis of life and, and the crisis of marriage and the crisis of finances and so on. we all been there, done that and going through it again because it's life. But there's a spiritual attack. There's a spiritual enemy that, that works hard to destroy what God has for you. Let's re listen to this. In, in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 11 to 2, this is what it says. It says, and our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them come from all directions and said to us, then ten times you must return to us. Now, let me set up the scene in the situation here. The enemy is planning a surprise attack. We're going to take them when they are not looking for us. And how the enemy works. That's his number one agenda. That is his number one purpose is to take you down when you're not looking. When you less expect it, when, when you don't ever see it coming, he, he wants to attack you and take you down. But, but, but what will be Nehemiah's tragedy against a surprise attack? And verse 13 says this, so in the lowest part of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their sword, their spear, and their bows. Nehemiah put every man in the position where he could defend his own family. Which made him more, more comfortable when he was building, of course. With his family at home, some distance away from him, a builder did not know whether or not they were safe. Yes, they were far but when, you, when you're away from that area, you're not sure if they're okay or they're not okay. They didn't have, they didn't have cell phones back then, okay? They would not have the luxury of texting each other. So the builders would go out. But they were not aware if the enemy had attacked them over there. They, there was no way of knowing. So Nehemiah put them with their families and armed them as well. So instead of leaving them behind, he said, take your family with you. And, and, and while you're building the wall with one hand, you have the sword on the other hand and your family close by you. Why is that? In other words, you, you don't leave your family behind. 
you don't live them out there being vulnerable and by themselves so the enemy can come and attack them. You know what? He was protecting what's the most important to him, and it's the family. Our first priority and main job on this earth is to take care of our families. That is the number one priority. But remember, we're not just talking about providing food, shelter, and, and what's necessary for life, but also providing for them spiritually. Spiritually is important. This includes loving and maturing, but also training them, leading them to church to learn about Christ, to learn about their creator that one day they will face in their lifetime. They will face the Lord one day. You see, it's more, more than just going to providing food for them, but it's providing spiritual guidance for their life. Because that's what's going to matter at the end of the day is their spiritual condition, where they are in God, where they are in their relationship with the Lord. I know they ain't popular preaching, but I'm going to preach it anyway. You know what? There's more than, than what football games. There are more than basketball games. There's more than NASCAR racing. My friend, there is Christ that we need to put into their lives. A relationship. A relationship with the Lord. Remember, the Lord was, was to be their, their, their motto, their, their, their rally cry. Nehemiah 4.14 says, And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles and all the officials on the rest of the, to the rest of the people, said, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He was telling them, listen, you have a reason to fight. You have a reason to, to, to get up, on, get off the couch from watching TV all day long. And it's time to get up and fight for the Lord. Fight for your family. You know what? We, we need to understand that there's a spiritual, in the times that we're living right now, there's more, more spiritual attack than ever before. We need to walk with God. We need to trust the Lord. You, you know how many people are falling away from God right now? During the pandemic, they, they have said that one, one out of three people is going, is only one going back to church. Out of one out of three people is going back to church. What's happening to the rest of them? You know what happened? We, we, we get comfortable. We lose sight of what's important. We take our eyes off God. We take our eyes off what's important. And, and we put our eyes somewhere else. But we need to walk with God. And Nehemiah is telling them, listen, you have a reason to fight. You have a reason to go forward. There's more than just drinking alcohol. There's more than just drinking beer. We need to show our children that there's a creator, that there's a God who has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, a destiny for your life. He says, remember the Lord who was there, their motto, their rally cry. As you remember from history classes in the Spanish-American War, our, our nation battle cry was remember the main. The sinking of the ship motivated our purpose. In World War II, it was remember the Lusitania. 
In World War II, it was remembered Pearl Harbor. And 9-11 happened, and we said, we will never forget. Napoleon always reminds his soldiers of some past history to stir them up to fight. You see, we, we have to have a purpose. We have to have a reason why we do what we do. And Nehemiah was reminding them, listen, you, you fight for your families. You fight for your children. You fight for your wife. He, he was giving them a motivational speech that said, listen, if, if you don't do it for you, do it for them. And that's the reason why we do what we do. That's the reason we, we get up in the morning or we go to church or, or you know, we, we get ready. You know what? When was the last time that we give children an option if they want to go to church? In my house. I'm not talking about your house now. But in my house, there, there is no option. You either go to church on a Sunday morning or you're the way to the hospital. Because you can't go to church. Am I telling you the truth? You know what? We, we need to get, lighten up a little bit. You know, I'm not, not that mean. But I'm making a point. You know, when we allow children to dictate, Nehemiah was telling them, listen, you're in charge. You fight for your families. When Paul, the apostle, wrote his letter to a young preacher named Timothy, he gave him a rally cry. In 2 Timothy 2.8, he told him, remember that Jesus Christ of, of, of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. See, that is the rally cry of believers today. To, to remember the Lord, he, he, you know, that was the rally cry for the Jews. And, and, and even in Nehemiah's day, that Jesus is alive. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to shout. We got a reason to fight. Because Jesus is alive and well and lives in upon us. See, there's a lot of hosts of things you will have to battle while building. There's a lot of things that, that will come your way. There's a lot of things that, that will, will, will come while they will, they will try to stop you while, while you're battling and while you're building. The first thing that I that try so hard is the, the, tool, the tool of distraction. See, the enemy wants to talk to Nehemiah in verse 2 of that, of that chapter. So they say, maybe we can work out a compromise. But Nehemiah knew that they were not sincere. When the devil, when the devil came to defeat us as, as, a, as, as a roaring lion, he would try to approach us as an angel of light. You know, he, he will always try to sweet talk to you. He, he will come dressed. You know, if, if he can intimidate you, he will try to befriend you. And he said, let's have a treated. Let's have a retreat together down in the valley. Let, let, let's, 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 get, let's, get, let's get all get cozy up. You know, and, and, and he tries to distract us to compromise. That's what he's tried to do. He tries to get you to compromise. Remember when you went out on that date with your, for your girlfriend or your, for the first time or your wife today and, you, and, you, and you're trying to set her up for a kiss? 
And that's what the devil tries to do. He, he tries to set you up. First, the devil tries to close up to you by, by, by in order to devour us. But once we are saved, he fails at that. And next, he tries to, to, to get us to, to not to, to trust in the things of God. If, and then he says, if I can't beat them, I'm going to join them and take over. See, let me, let me share something here. Why the valley of Uno? You see, in Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 35, Lot, Lot and Uno are, are the valley of craftsmen. Now, Nehemiah is a craftsman. So he, he specially tempted with offers. Maybe he could use some ideas or tools to help with the, with the wall, but, but it wasn't God's way to join with the enemy to get ideas. You see, what happened, the enemy would do the best he can to tempt you with the things you like the most. He, he will come as an angel of light, or he can dress up real good, and he will tempt you where you're weak at. The, the things that you like the most, he, he, he will come to tempt you with things that, that you know that you're, that you're easy to get to. The things that you've struggled with in the past. So the devil comes slowly and, and he will tempt you with all these offers and, and all these things and all these promotions and, and all this money and all this fame and all this. For you to fall into it. But Nehemiah saw right through the devil's attempt at distraction and, and compromise. And he said, the valley of oh no is oh no. Ain't you glad that he said oh no, no, no to oh no? See, Nehemiah said no because he had. See, a spiritual discernment not to join with the enemy and use the world ways and water down the message. He said, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to water down. I'm not going to get on the devil's level. You know what? Because God has a plan for my life. Listen, I know it's easier to cheat. And I know it's easier to cut corners. And I know it's easier to do that. But if it's not God's way, it ain't going to work. You got to go God's way. And, and Nehemiah said, listen, and I know that's tempted, and I know I can get resource, and I know I can get tools that I need to build a wall, but it's not God's way he wants me to build a wall. God will supply my needs. God will supply what I need. If I walk according to the Lord, the Lord's going to provide for me. The Lord's going to make a way for me. Are you hearing me out there? You got to trust on the Lord. You got to trust in God. See, at the end of verse 2, the, the thought to do me wrong. How did he, but he knew that. How did he knew that? Spiritual discernment. What they really want, wanted was to kill him. And the devil makes sin look nice. But he wants to destroy you. Can I preach a little bit? The devil will send a Delilah into your workplace with a mini, mini, mini skirt. Oh, you, you know what I'm telling you the truth? And he will send somebody to distract you from what God has for you. He will send somebody your way so you can take your eyes off your wife, take your eyes off your family, and you start putting your eyes somewhere else. 
And that's what the devil was. He, you know, he was, he was tempting Nehemiah with, with things. And, and the devil, that's exactly what the devil do. He, he will come your way to try to kill you and destroy you. What looks pretty today, it might not be pretty tomorrow. But once you're entangled in the webs, once you're entangled in the webs of the enemy of Satan, he, he got you like a puppet. He got you where he wants you. See, God's work must be done God's way. The end doesn't justify the means. It doesn't justify the means. It's, it has to be God's way. Nehemiah understood that, that he had nothing in common with the worldly crowd. And therefore, there was, there was no basic for cooperation. You see, we need Christians with spiritual discernment who were separate from the world, cut the old ties, and realize his great truth. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? We, we got to trust the things of God, believe in God. You know what? That, that's probably the reason many times people struggle in their spiritual walk because they, 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 they still want to please the world, but they want to please God. You can't do that. You struggle with your worship. You struggle with your prayer time. You struggle with your devotion with the Lord. You struggle with your commitment with God and your walk with God. Why do you struggle? Because, because you're not completely devoted to him and Give it all to the Lord and say, God, I give my life. I give everything to you. I trust you with everything. My friend, here's the next thing. I'm, I'm going to better, I don't know if I'm going to better finish this, but I'm telling you. Not only, not only that, that the tool of distract, distraction, but also the curse of discouragement. See, the devil's number one tool he uses to try to get you out of the game, out of church, or to give up on life. Satan tries to discourage people in, in their finances, even with their ties, through your children, even through you bringing them up in church, through problems in ministry at church, or through physical problems. The enemy try anything he can to attack those areas of your life to discourage you, to bring you to a place that you think is not going to work, that, that is not, is not going to function. So what he does, he specializes on that area of discouragement. But discouragement doesn't discriminate. Even the best Christians are under the power, that, uh, that power at times. See, we're all attacked by the spirit of discouragement. That we want to quit. That we want to give up. That we, that, that we, that we throw in the towel and say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. C.H. Spurgeon. The prince of preachers. Was given to depression and discouragement. He said, I would not wish upon my worst enemy the death of despair and discouragement I often feel for weeks or months at a time. And I'm talking about C.H. Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers, one of, one of the greatest communicators, that even he fell under the trap of discouragement. We all face times of discouragement and depression. 
that we want to quit, that we want to give up, that our motivation is no longer there, that our passion is no longer there, that our zeal is, our, our zeal is no longer there. We lose it all because we fall into a place of the, the, the depression and discouragement. But that's what, the, that's what the, enemy, the enemy wants you to be at. John Wesley, who was also given to discouragement, he married poorly the wrong woman. There were times that she would drag him around the house by the hair. That would only happen once in my house before I shaved my head. Some of you understand exactly what I'm going. See, verse 10. The first three words of that chapter said Judah was the chief tribe, the leader among the nations, the cream of the crop. It was this that said, we can't do this. We can't continue. You see, listen to me. You're not a bad Christian because you get discouraged. Only if you stay there. Because we all face times of discouragement. We all, even, even the greatest of us, even the spiritual of us, we, we face times of discouragement. But don't stay there. If getting saved is the end of trouble, then it's the front end. I mean, you know that even as Christians, we face troubles. Even serving God, there's problems. Even walking with the Lord, we, we, we face sickness and we face all kinds of problems in life. But now, God is on your side to help you and, and to stretch you and to help you grow through it all. See, it, it sometimes, come on, it sometimes it's part of the process. We, we go through this journey of life and, and God's stretching us and, and, and God is pulling us that when we're going through yes it, it doesn't look comfortable at first it doesn't look pretty at first but but it's stretching us or maybe you you want it easy you want heaven on earth Jesus carry his cross and you must carry yours you know, sometimes we, we want life to be easy. We want it to be comfortable. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't want a world, a life, a home with no problem? But as long as we're living in this world, as long as we're living in this life, we're going to face problems. Some might be big. Some might be small. Some might be life-changing. Some might be tragedies. But we all face something at one point. And we face discouragements. Discouragement. You know, discouragement will stop you dead on your tracks. Discouragement is like paralyzing you. Anyone can do more than a man who has lost heart. When you face discouragement and you've lost your heart, you, you, you gave up. 
you have gave up back in the day of horse and drawing wagons a man was hauling logs on a hill the horse the horses could not make it and gave up he unloaded half the wagon but still wouldn't try he emptied it completely but still they had given up they were utterly discouraged they gave up and wouldn't try you know what that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do that when you fall to the place of discouragement in the place of depression he wants you that even though it looks like there is hope he wants you don't don't try it don't try it you, you it didn't work before ain't gonna work again don't trust God remember don't trust God don't trust anybody and the devil wants you to get right there to discouragement and some do this with marriage some they some do this with children some do this with church but that's not what God wants he wants us to stay in the game put you put our shoulders to the put our shoulders to the wheel keep trying and keep on trusting God you keep pushing forward yes I fell down this time but I'm gonna get back again yes it didn't work out this time but I'm gonna try it again I'm trusting God how many times as many times it takes I'm gonna get back up on my feet I'm gonna trust God get up on your feet this morning trusting God is it God I'm not quitting I'm not giving up I'm pushing forward I'm pushing forward who am I doing this for I'm doing this for my children I'm doing this for my generation to come, the generation after my generation to come. That's the reason I'm in the game. That is the reason I go to church. That is the reason I'm, I turned my life around. That is the reason I gave my heart to Jesus because I want to be changed in my family. I tell you what, it is hard. It's heartbreaking when you see what this generation sees important in their children. They have no clue. They have no clue what they're putting in their lives. The enemy will get a hold of their hearts. Will get a hold of their lives. Spiritual generations go from generation to generation until somebody reverse the curse. Somebody have to stop the curse. Somebody have to say, a spiritual person have to say, you know what? I had enough of this curse in my home. I had enough of this curse in my family. I had enough of the I had enough of this curse of alcoholism in my home. I had enough of the spirit of abusement in my home. I had enough. Listen up. If you grew up seeing that, you can turn it around and say, you know what? As for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to change this mindset. We're going to change this mindset. But it's up to you. We want the blessing of God. We want the blessing of God in our homes, in our family. Listen. Listen, I get it. I get it. I came from a home of 
of alcoholism. I've seen the damage of what alcohol can do in a home, in a family. I came out of that. But I made up my mind as a young teenage boy that said, I don't want to be part of that. I gave my heart to the Lord, trust in the Lord. Broke that curse, rebuked that curse. Listen, my friend, that's how it stops. Until somebody says, I had enough of this lifestyle. I had enough of this life that I'm living, this manipulating and, and, and you know what? Impressing people that I don't even like. We put our eyes on the wrong things. But we got to change it. Nehemiah was talking about, listen, I ain't telling you nothing that is scriptural. Nehemiah realized if you're going to change that lifestyle, if you're going to change that mindset, you got to have one tool. you got to have the, the working tool to build the wall by the sword on the other hand because the enemy is going to attack. While I'm building my marriage, where I'm building my home, where I'm building my family, I'm still going to keep an eye on the devil over here because he's going to try to come and destroy what God is doing in my life, what God is doing in my home and my family. I'm not going to allow it. You determine that. Let us pray real quick. Bow your heads for a moment. Those who are watching us online, those who are listening to us, watching us on YouTube and on listening on podcasts. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we re rebuke, we reverse the curse. And Father, in just like Nehemiah was posting, the men of the house, the spiritual leader, in their post to with their families by, by, by their side. Not a way where we can see them, but by their side. Father, we have the responsibility as leaders, as spiritual leaders of the home, the priests of the house, to keep our family close to us. Because as we grow closer to you, they will pull closer with us to you. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, those who are watching online, Maybe there's somebody who have not given their heart to Jesus. They can do it right now. Just comment right there, Lord. Just comment, I gave my heart to the Lord and we'll contact you. We'll make a way. But if you're giving your heart to Jesus this morning, we're praying for you. We're believing for you. And we pray for those who are watching online as well, Lord, that you will do something incredible in their homes and their families. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.